Hello, Weekly Impact listeners, and welcome back to our fourth edition of the Weekly Impact podcast. My name is Brent Smith, and once again, I'm here to host today. It is November 28th, 2017, and what we're going to focus on today is Romans 10. Um, so we'll go around like we usually do, and we'll have everybody introduce themselves who's joining us today. Uh, we'll start with our special guest that we have today, Mr. Elijah Roberts. Say hello, Elijah. Hi. <laughs> So he is joining us today. We're excited to have him on here today and get a little bit of a younger perspective on what we're doing here. Um, as we mentioned before, we want to try to make this um, something that we mix up each week and try to get a different perspective on things. So Elijah is joining us today, and hopefully he'll be able to join us in the future as well. Um, but we also have uh, Pastor Daniel Yelverton over here. Hey, how's it going? And Pastor Jacob Kingsley. It's going well, Daniel. Thank you. Glad I asked. <laughs> So there's four of us today, and um, what we're going to do is get into Romans chapter 10. Do you guys think we need to give any background on this? I mean, I know that we, we kind of prefaced Romans um, and what this book is last week. Anybody feel like we need to add anything else before we get into chapter 10? Uh, I think one thing to note is that Paul is developing a case for the gospel all throughout Romans. And so the previous chapters, they're all building off of each other. So as you've been doing your reading, we're kind of jumping in uh, with this kind of in the middle of Paul talking about uh, the gospel and what it now looks like to start following Jesus is what we'll start getting into application come like Romans 12. And so, uh, so yeah, so now we're just kind of stepping into the middle of the conversation of Romans. And um, as far as like background of the book, though, I think that probably helps us at least understand what what's going on in this individual chapter. Okay, yeah. cool. And for those of you listening as well, um, if it's your first time listening, uh, we didn't address it last week, but we try to, at least when we're doing um, this structure where we're going to read the chapter for you, uh, or with you, I guess, um, we try to use the acronym SOAP for what we're doing. So we read the scripture, S for scripture, uh, O for observations after we get done reading the scripture, um, A for applications, and then we end with prayer. So that's the P on soap there. So um, anyway, uh, let's go ahead and get started. Um, Elijah, would you start us and we'll go around this way? Thank you. Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. For Moses writes about the righteousness that is based on the law, that the person who does the commandments shall live by them. But the righteousness based on faith says, Do not say in your heart who will ascend to heaven, that is to bring Christ down. Or who will descend into the abyss, that is, to bring Christ up from the dead? But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? 
And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. But I ask, have they not heard? Indeed they have, for their voice has gone out to all the earth, and their words to the ends of the world. But I ask, did Israel not understand? First Moses says, I will make you jealous of those who are not a nation. With a foolish nation I will make you angry. Then Isaiah is so bold as to say, I have been found by those who did not seek me. I have shown myself to those who did not ask for me. But of Israel, he says, All day long I have held out my hands to a disobedient and contrary people. All right, so that is Romans chapter 10. Um, So observations, anything in that stick out to you guys? Anything really just kind of um, sum that up, if somebody would, kind of what what we're talking about here, just so we know where we're going with this conversation. I think the main point Paul is trying to get across here is as he's been laying out this kind of argument for the gospel, like Daniel was mentioning earlier, he's gotten to the point where now salvation is like on the table, and he's telling them, how does it get spread? How do people buy into this gospel? How do people understand it and make it real in their life? And so what Paul is saying here is he's saying, listen, like, it's for everybody. Like, you have to hear, you have to believe, but people need to be spreading the gospel. And so he's more of talking about how is the gospel moved and, and how does it continue to grow? Hmm. Um, and I noticed, too, that he starts, um, unless I'm wrong, it looks like he kind of starts and ends this chapter with tying back into um, the Israelites. Um, he starts with uh, my prayer uh, for God that the Israelites may be saved. And in the end, he talks about how the Israelites kind of refused to believe this message when it came to them. Um, so I thought that was kind of a cool way to open and end the chapter. It seems like some don't kind of, you know, have those bookends at either end of it. So I yeah. thought that was kind of cool. Um, and some of the notes that I took here, I actually made some notes this week. Um, they're from uh, my Bible, so it's NIV typically. So I know we typically do ESV on this. But um, anyway, um, it says that, uh, about the Israelites at the beginning when he says uh, his prayer for God that the Israelites may be saved. They are zealous for God, but their zeal is not based on knowledge. And since they didn't know the righteousness of God, they sought to establish their own. Um, is it uh, is it talking about through works there, or what is it? when they're trying to establish their own righteousness. So, yes. uh, Essentially, uh, the big hang-up that the Israelites had is that they were chosen by God, but they used that as a distinction between them and other people. And so you see this comparison between the Jews and the Gentiles. You even talk about how they, at the end, uh, Moses was saying that they were going to be made jealous uh, because of other nations and that God was going to... Uh, basically make uh, people out of all people and and so and then they also I think in the heart of every person is an effort to justify ourselves to make ourselves right before God in every religion other than what we see through the gospel of Jesus every religion does that by works like you have to do something in order to make God happy or to make God pleased with you or to have peace with God 
And what we hear and what we read about in Romans is that justification through faith is basically you're having faith in the complete work of Jesus, that he did everything on your behalf. And so we don't have anything that we can really stand on on our own justification. And that was a stumbling block to the Jewish people because they were very confident in their ability to follow the law, but that actually was really more their condemnation than it was their righteousness. Mm -hmm. But they couldn't get past that. Uh, Jesus refers to himself as the cornerstone uh, that people stumble and trip and fall on and have calamity because of it. And it's because they missed out on what God was trying to convey when it came to uh, how to be right with him because they had it in scriptures because we hear the reference earlier in Romans about uh, Abraham and that it said that literally said in the Old Testament scriptures that Abraham was uh, what believed in God and through his faith was counted as righteous Mm -hmm. before God and so they they had that but they weren't able to kind of get past the religious mentality when it come when it came to justification so kind of circling back to what you said the knowledge issue was that they had uh, they had confident in their own wisdom and own knowledge and in their own righteousness and in their own justification and that became their stumbling block and that became the thing that inhibited them from be uh receiving the righteousness through Jesus yeah and a little side note too i mean you know correct me if i'm wrong cuz i'm i'm new to a lot of this stuff as well but um you talk about jesus being the cornerstone uh one that people stumble on but also he's the cornerstone because they're building something new upon him correct yes yeah and and um that gets down into um what you were just saying um is where i was trying to go i guess from the beginning to the end here as well where um you know, it says Israel did not, or I, I wrote in my notes, Israel did not understand. And it's not just that they understood. Was it because they refused to believe? Is it because they thought that they're, I mean, did, they've always been told that they're God's chosen people, right? So is that almost where they feel above other people now? Or what do you think that is? Because I have here, like I paraphrased kind of um, what you were saying and what it says in the scripture, but because of their refusal to believe, God told them, I will make you envious by making the gift available, basically available to those who are not part of your people. Um, I will make you angry by freely giving this gift. Uh, this is paraphrasing again, the greatest gift of all to the Gentiles and Greeks, people who will listen to me and receive it, even though they don't have previous knowledge and understanding. And because of their ignorance and exclusion from you are deemed unworthy in your eyes. Mm-hmm. Because why would they get mad unless they thought these people were unworthy of this special gift that was for them, right? So, I mean, does anybody have anything to expand on that? Is that is that correct? Um, I definitely think that is the case. It it doesn't seem like from Scripture when we read about even when Jesus was alive um, on earth, interactions between him and the Pharisees and the Jews, it's not as though they were just ignorant, that they didn't know, but it seems like there's some active denial in there against yeah. the gospel, against God working through Jesus, Yeah, um, that they were pushing against that um and i mean going along with what you're talking about how now it's available to the gentiles last week um there's a a verse i think 2 verse 11 um where it says there's no longer favoritism with god um that it's open to everybody and for jews like that was kind of infuriating because they were so used to having a special privilege and having a special spiritual um superiority to other people because 
of just how they were born and the fact that they kept certain aspects of the law. Um, and so, you know, thinking back to Paul just writing this to a church that was primarily Roman citizens, but now the Jews, after being exiled, are coming back in. There are now Jewish Christians and just Jews who aren't getting along with the Christians, and he's reminding them, stop like trying to be different and set yourselves apart in those ways. The gospel is what unifies you. You are all saved the same way. You heard about it. You heard about Jesus, and now you have life. Mm. And so there, it, it's a reminder again to the Jews that you know just their heritage doesn't make them spiritually better. Anything else? I wanted to just kind of toss a question out here because sometimes when I read Romans, it's just helpful for me to have a question to toss out to other people because it's just so much, you know, yeah. like there's so it's so dense sometimes. But even verses like six through eight talks about, but the righteousness based on faith says, do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven. Uh, that is to bring Christ down or who will descend into the abyss that is to bring Christ up from the dead but what does it say the word is near you in your mouth and in your heart that is the word of faith that we proclaim what is that <laughs> Elijah what thoughts do you have on that well that's actually a question that I have or that I had when I read this chapter because if you just read six through eight, it doesn't make a ton of sense through me, I think, or to me. I think that what he's saying is, like, those things aren't what get you into heaven. But then in verse nine, it says, but if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Mm -hmm. So I think six through eight are things that, like, aren't ways to get you saved. Like, but the righteousness based on faith says, do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven or who will descend into the abyss. I guess that kind of, that brings up a good point and then almost like comparison. Like, all right, who's going to do this? Like, who's going to go to heaven? Who's going to go down to the abyss? And uh, I don't know if I'm interpreting that the right way, but and it, like you said, it's like, and, but the word is near in your mouth and in your heart, uh, talking about just belief and confession, not necessarily about destination. Um, because I think when, here's a thought, when, when we do things in order to avoid hell or to get to heaven, we're doing them selfishly. Does that make sense? Like, so if we're mm -hmm. doing a good work, we're doing it with selfish intent when we are trying to either get to heaven or avoid hell. Mm -hmm. And uh, Paul is just kind of saying that, that that type of religion doesn't really work because really you're counting on your good works, but your good works are not really good works. They're really selfish works because really you're only doing it because you're either avoiding one place or trying to get into the other place. Yeah, yeah. it's based on fear kind of, right? Yeah. Instead of being yeah. based on your heart. And and it and it's kind <laughs> of like, it's like the whole mentality of don't be the slowest one when a bear's chasing you, right? So like, <laughs> you know, like laugh at other people and like, like champion their misfortunes because maybe God will notice that and then they'll go to hell and you won't. You know, it's kind of, there's that comparison, but... <laughs> Uh, I, I don't know. I just think this is really interesting how Paul is saying, no, I mean, it's it's actually the word is near to you. I mean, how in either in proximity as far as in your heart and in your mouth, but also that there's a simplicity to that, that uh, the justification that we have or the righteousness that we have based on faith is just confession that Jesus is Lord and you're believing in your heart. Mm -hmm. 
I think six through eight makes more sense too if you take out the parts that are in the parentheses. I was um, going to say because that is to bring Christ down, and that is to bring Christ up from the dead. That's what kind of confused me because if you read it without it, it, says, "But the righteousness based on faith says, do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven or who will descend into the abyss." So it's basically kind of. It's not your place to judge and call those things out and look at that. But when you add those other things in there, that's where it's confusing. Maybe he's saying, like, you judging who you think is going to heaven and hell is bringing Christ down. I see what you're saying in that, that you're saying that, like, that's bringing Christ's work down. Paul is (laughs) is not the best at making clear and concise um, sentences. His sentence structure is pretty horrific. So English majors out there, um, people, grammatarians, whatever. Um, the funny thing <laughs> sorry. is that, no, is that Paul actually, uh, he's known for this. Like Peter talks about it in his letter. He's like, that's every, like people that listen to Paul, he's very confusing sometimes. Like Peter, you know, the apostle Peter is admitting that Paul's letters are confusing. <laughs> so yeah, I don't, I don't know if we're going to get to the right answer. But yeah. I think what's kind of, what's interesting is, I mean, when you're reading Romans, you're reading like a court case, and Paul is going ahead and preemptively answering arguments before they get the chance to arise. Mm -hmm. And I guess what he's, one of the main things that he's addressing here, and we kind of mentioned it earlier, was the fact that um, Paul is telling us why we need to tell other people about Jesus. And I think if there's a sense of competition between us and other people as far as our religious record, we're not going to help people follow Jesus because we don't want to help somebody get better than us because then they're going to, there may be the opportunity that they go to heaven and we don't. And so if this is really, you know, that's why he's making this distinction between maybe this works based kind of like a comparison of who's going to heaven and who's not uh, because we, if we understand that we're all justified by faith, then we should be sharing. We should be looking for opportunities to share instead of comparing, instead of comparing how people are spiritually. And I think that's really hard because we're always kind of uh, always measuring ourselves up to other people. I mean, we do that even as pastors. We measure ourselves mm-hmm. up to different pastors, or I'm sure as worship leaders, you say, oh my gosh, that guy's really amazing. Oh, yeah. And so the spirit of comparison is always there. And uh, in that if that is on the forefront of our mind, then we'll be less likely to look for an opportunity to share the good news of the gospel because we're sharing, we're sharing information and good things with our competitor, you know, mm-hmm. in quotation marks. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I will say too, you know, uh, talking about sharing, um, I I love besides the confusion that we've just spent some time on with what Paul was trying to say there. Um, I love the core of this chapter because this, as I'm reading it, I'm like, man, this is like the perfect kind of concise way to explain salvation to people that don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it is, it's everything that you need to know it, it, in, in simplicity, you know. Um, you know, the other bullet points I have here is, um, you know, Christ is the culmination of the law so that there uh, may be righteousness for everyone who believes in him. And then it tells you, you know, if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I mean, that's basically it. That's yeah. okay. That's the instructions. Okay, this is what you do. You know, this is who Jesus is and this is what you do. Mm-hmm. And then it, it explains, you know, as Scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. There's no longer a difference between 
Jew and Gentile, Jew and Greek, whatever you want to refer to here, there's no people that are set apart anymore. So it's just saying, you know, back to the what I was just saying a second ago, here's who Jesus is, here are your instructions for what to do, and yes, it means you too. You know, mm-hmm. it means everyone. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then it gets into... Um, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Mm. Then it's talking about the process of how the word gets out to the world and to people that don't know. Um, so I, I don't know what, that just really hit mm-hmm. me as I was reading this. I was like, man, this is the perfect little package of, okay, here's what it is. Yeah, Take that to the world, you know? Mm. One of my favorite verses in this chapter um, is, I think, verse 11, for the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. You mentioned that. Um and I think it's so easy in our culture um, to see Christianity as something that brings on shame, um, just from, you know, science, um, all these different fields of thought. And Christians a lot of times are put down. They're labeled as ignorant, um, as stuck up, all these different things. Um, a lot of the scientific community says, well, if you're a Christian, you believe in, you know, creation, seven-day creation, like you obviously don't know anything, you're dumb. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are like, why do you believe in something that isn't even there? You're going to die and you're just going to turn into dirt. Like, it doesn't matter. Yeah. And Paul is reminding us that that's, our hope isn't in people's words, that the hope that we have is in God, and we will never be shamed for that belief in God, which yeah. is encouraging to me during those tough times. Yeah, when the world's shaming us. Yeah. <clears throat> and I was thinking about it too while I was reading this. It's almost like, I mean, it's not almost like it is, and I've heard it said before, but it never really clicked in this way until I was reading this. But, you know, we can't, we live in the world, but we can't be of the world. And that shame that you're talking about is is of the world. It's not of Christ. It's not of God. And we almost have to develop a different perspective, a different way of seeing everything once we're believers in Christ, because if we still view things through the world, none of it's going to make sense. So we almost have to, I don't want to say ascend, but like transcend the world to where we look at it where the world matters, but it isn't everything, mm-hmm. you know? It, I don't know if that makes yeah. sense the way I'm explaining it, but um, that kind of hit me that way. Like we, it removes us from the reality that we've lived in our entire life until we believe and understand the difference, I guess. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Elijah? Do you have anything else? Um, something else that I love in this chapter is verses 14 and 15, because so many people like want to fulfill the word of God and, you know, they want everyone to believe in God. But in verse 14 and 15, it says, how then will they call on, on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. And I think we touched on this a little bit. But, you know, people sit in their homes and want the word of God to spread everywhere. And then there are people like missionaries who go out and do what verses 14 and 15 say. They go out and they tell people of God so that they can believe in someone who they've now heard of instead of it still being, oh, believe in this guy, but you know nothing about him believe yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah and i think it's interesting is it how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news uh and i think we think about like long distance it could literally be walking across the hallway 
or that could be, you know, the cubicle next to you, or that could be the person that you're uh, ordering food from or whatever it is. And, yeah. and so I think that we're talking on a podcast that you send out to the world. I mean, <laughs> beautiful feet. You don't need a pedicure <laughs> for those beautiful feet. <laughs> Yeah. We digress. Um, <laughs> but no, something really cool, you know, as you were talking about that, it's not as though Paul is saying you have to be this one thing in order to be effective. He's saying, listen, like, people need to preach, but those people need to be sent by people. People need to believe. And so I think a big application point for me is is where do you fit into this? You know, maybe the thought of, like, preaching or teaching all the time something from the Bible just scares you to death. And you're mm. like, I cannot deal with that. But maybe you can encourage somebody who is, and that's sending them. Maybe you can contribute financially to a missionary organization. Whatever it is, there's a spot for you in the spread of the gospel. It's not everybody doing the same thing. That's the beauty of the body of Christ. Yeah. It's that there are different roles. And that's Paul showing us here that there's, it's not one step and it's done, and you have to be the one-step person. It's a process. Yeah. And not only helping people out, but or having the different roles, but I, I think it's great because he kind of almost breaks it down in simplicity as far as like steps. So it's not like you need to learn all of the gospels by heart and then you can tell somebody about Jesus. Yeah. You know, like there, yeah. I think we can like blow it up in our mind that it's like, oh my gosh, I need to know all these things or I need to go to seminary or uh, I'm not you know, somebody that's on stage preaching. And so I'm not going to be able to share the, the good news or anything like that. But really the good news is just telling people about who Jesus is mm-hmm. and what he's done in your life. And that can just be sharing life with somebody. That can be showing somebody kindness. Like we learned uh, in Romans chapter 2, that kindness brings people to repentance. Mm-hmm. And so I think that it's it's easy to get wrapped up into the uh, the whole process of it, or even thinking, I got to start from finish, and I got to know everything, and they may have different objections, and I got to know every objection. And I think Paul is just breaking it down one little step at a time. Literally, all you're doing is you're walking with somebody, you're doing life with somebody, and then all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit takes that opportunity because the Holy Spirit's been drawing them anyways. You're just participating in the process. Yeah. Mm. Elijah, for you. Um, you're a sophomore in high school. Where do you see in your life the ability to jump in on this process? Um, I have a friend of mine that I play music with, and he's not a Christian, but, you know, we hang out a lot. And even from the start of me knowing him and him getting to know my family and other friends that I have, um, I've seen you know, change in his life because rather than, because he's different from us, treating him like he's different and being rude to him, you know, my friends and I like to think myself have been kind to him and, you know, it's kind of, I've started to see change in his life and, you know, stuff like that. It can just be to a friend of yours or a teacher or of mine and if they're having a rough day, you know, you can ask them about it and not be as cruel to them as others maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, something that um, I have to give credit to my wife for. Um, she has been doing something with shout our kids. Shout out Nicole. Yeah, shout out to Nicole. Um, she She's awesome with our kids, man. And she just, you know, she's, she's a teacher uh, for her career. She just knows how to relate with kids. And um, 
sometimes she'll just say things to our children that I'm like, that's awesome. Like she, she does something with the kids quite a bit where, um, she'll say either at the beginning of the day or at the end, she'll ask them how they did it. But she'll say, okay, as you go out today, like, how can you be Jesus today? How can you be Jesus to other people today? Or at the end of the day, you know, how were you Jesus to people today? And it's a good way to start a conversation, uh, but it's a good way through that conversation to help them gain understanding of what that means and what it is to be Jesus to other people, to have that kindness that just shows his love and his light through who we are and the actions that we have and that we take in our in our daily, daily walk. Um, so I just, I love that she says that. And as you guys were talking about that, that just popped up in my head for some reason. You know, a simple little way to translate that to to children and and really anybody who might not understand what that means. Um, there was something else I wanted to to get to um, back to the verses you were talking about a couple minutes ago, kind of those steps of how can they believe if no one, you know. Um, and as I was reading that, it hit me, and maybe this is just me, but to me it was almost like Paul was going through those steps in reverse. And I felt like, man, it might make more sense to kind of flip them around because to me it made more sense. I kind of went through them and I listed them from the bottom up and I did it in kind of my terms um, to maybe help it under somebody understand it. But um, one thing that, Daniel, you touched on a minute ago was people being sent out. They feel like that they have to go on a missionary trip across the world to go do that. So I actually took that as they set out. You know, whether it's you walking out your front door every day or whether you're a missionary going across the world. So those steps in everyday terms, the way that I did it here was um, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news? Because how can anyone inform others about Jesus unless they set out to do so? Um, How will anyone hear about Jesus unless someone is there to tell them about him and his gift of salvation for all of us? How can anyone believe in Jesus if they've never heard of him because nobody came to them to tell them about him? Um, And how can they be saved by calling on the name of Jesus and professing belief in him if they do not know that he even exists because they've never heard of him or who he is and the amazing gift that he brings? And then I love at the end of that um, that section there, it says, faith comes from hearing the message. Mm. And the message is heard through the word. So I don't know. It just made it a bit more sense to me. Mm-hmm. So hopefully that helps somebody else out too. But I wanted to ask you here where it says, and the message is heard through the word. Obviously that's through the word of God, through through spreading that. But is that like a double meaning there? Because you have to have somebody actually come and speak those words to you, speak the words of the word to you, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't sure if that was kind of a double meaning or not there, you know. Most definitely. Most definitely. Yeah. Um, you know, just like uh, when we were starting this chapter day movement in John, mm-hmm. in the very first verse is, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. It's mm-hmm. the same Greek word, yeah, but it has so many different meanings. That same word can mean, you know, the reasoning or where we get logic from. It's like the life. Um, and so it's all these different things wrapped up into to one little thing. So it's... I think it's both when he's talking about people actually need to like say the words to you. Like, how are you going to know about Jesus unless somebody like tells you his name? Um, Sometimes there's a pretty popular saying. um, I forget who said it. Maybe Daniel, you know, but it was like uh, share the gospel always. And when necessary, use words. And it's Mm. a big advocate for living your life like Jesus. And it's great. But it's like you need 
to use words to tell people about the grace and repentance and and who Jesus is because words are important and words carry power. And have relationship with people Mm -hmm. and interaction with people because even as I'm reading that and I'm writing those notes down, I was thinking, huh, is it easier or harder to spread the gospel now because you can be like, well, people have Google now. They can look it up and see what it is, you know? So then it makes you think, you know, you don't have to go tell people because it's there. But it's the relationship and the interaction part that I think is probably the most important piece of it. And something on what you just said, like with there's Google, that would have to be the person initiating trying to find a relationship with God because not everyone wants to do that. Sometimes they need a shove in the right direction to... (laughs) Gentle or hard. Either one. (laughs) To, you know, get to this place get to the bible and to trust in the bible because if they aren't a christian they're not going to just be like oh today i'm going to google the word of god and read the whole bible yeah and you know they wouldn't know what to read and google wouldn't be able to tell them what to read based off of you know their problems that would be someone that they know or someone that could get to know them yeah Mm -hmm. so i guess guess they have to be seeking already at that point and through us being called to be a curious people that live our lives in this way that makes people think like, man, there's something different about Elijah. wonder what that is. And when they find out, maybe that's where, you know, a lot of times the interest might come from. Mm-hmm. Finding out why you are, how you are, and, and what the difference is and what they're seeing in you and your kindness and, and your interactions with people every day compared to how, you know, others might interact with them. I think you used the word seeking there, and it was just a really cool tie-in back into actual Bible <laughs> in uh one of the last verses in 20, it's talking about what Isaiah wrote, and he was one of the prophets in the Old Testament. He said, I have been found by those who did not seek me. I have shown myself to those who did not ask for me. And he's not like playing a game of hide-and-seek. He's talking about from the viewpoint of God, the truth um, there. And so he's saying, listen, there were people who they didn't even know necessarily who I was, or they didn't even know they were looking for me, but I went to them and I found them. That that's the gospel that God pursues us even when we don't realize that yet and so there are people who they don't know that they need God they don't know that what they're searching for in life is what God can provide yeah and so it goes back to it's our job whether we're sending out people or we're setting out or we're preaching but we're to be the hands and feet of God to bring God to people that don't even know they need him yet All right. Well, I think that's a good place to wrap it up today. Um, We'll finish with prayer. Uh, Are you comfortable praying? Um, Sure. If you want to start it, would you finish? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Thank you. All right. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. We thank you for us all being able to come together and read your word and get to know your word. We pray for the listeners and that they were able to read along with us and get to know your word better. Um, we thank you for ever, everyone in this room and that we're all be able to come together uh, and we love you and praise you. God, I just, um, I pray that we would be encouraged by your great love for us, that we would see that you have done so much to, to bring us not only into your family, but also to let us participate in just the greatest movement that's going on in the entire world. Uh, and so, God, I just I pray that we're encouraged, but also, Lord, that we are um, just challenged, God, in the way that we view uh, 
our works, the things that we've done, God. And I just pray that we just trust you, Jesus, for everything and Holy Spirit to just change us uh, from the inside out. And Lord, I just, I pray that you would give us opportunities, whatever it may be, whether it's walking across the hall or opening a conversation or just recognizing a need and just being there to be kind to somebody. Uh, God, I just pray that you would give us opportunities to participate in what you're doing here in our community, in our workplace, in our schools, uh, with our friends and family. Uh, so, Lord, we just uh, we love you. Lord, we thank you that you have done so much on our behalf. And, God, I pray that that would encourage us to just say yes. Say yes to whatever you're asking us to do, knowing that you are uh, giving us such a wonderful opportunity to be a part of your work and your movement here on earth. Uh, we love you, Lord. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening again this week. Um, we are always happy to have you and hope that you're enjoying this as we move forward. Um, wanted to take a chance and say uh, happy Thanksgiving to everybody out there. I know Thanksgiving was a couple days ago. We hope it was great for you. Um, Elijah, thank you very much for joining us today. We really appreciate having you here. Thank you for having me. <laughs> and for Elevation Community Church and the Weekly Impact Podcast, this is Brent Smith. Daniel. Jacob. All right. Thank you guys very much for listening, and we will talk to you next week. Have a good one. Over and out.